Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the County Director Report. The County Director Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family that's spelled B L E A B. As the name of the network that we are on, and that is why on your favorite podcast it means Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. And can you believe it? It's 120 episodes of me saying some version of that. And um, looks like it's going to stay that way. Maybe for another 120. Uh, we'll see. Um, okay, enough of that nonsense. And on to this week's illustrious guest, uh, uh, a a star musical comedian, rapper. I wonder how he defines himself, but we're so glad to have MC Chris on the pod. Thank you for having me. I don't know how I would define myself. I still don't uh, quite know what I am. Yeah, I I, I mean, it was a, a thing I've been thinking about since um, I was going to have you on the pod of like, because I feel like you fit into so many things and simultaneously like you're not in have like your whole foot in any one genre or mode or like it's so many different things at the same time yeah i'm i uh i'm not committal (laughs) (laughs) especially like i mean rap since its inception is always kind of flirted with comedy that's fair to say right for sure i think uh even the most serious rapper is trying to put at least one funny line in a song for a song. Right. right. And, or, well, I mean, or something, 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 something that someone will call clever. Sure. But, you know, it's supposed, it's supposed to be funny, though. This is actually a point of contention uh, between comedians and a lot of rappers. Do you have any thoughts on the sketches that started showing up, I think? In the '90s, right, and '90s rap albums and onwards. Yeah, I mean, I all my albums have skits on them, and I've actually established this kind of Marvel-esque skit universe that cool. uh, it's one one story that spans uh, over 18 albums, mm-hmm. and um, and there's like spinoffs from that universe that became their own universe. Like I have a kids album universe that is referenced in the main universe. Um, right. And I grew up in 90s hip hop during the 90s. Well, I mean, I became a hip hop fan during the 90s era. And so the bands that I liked, rap groups that I liked, you wouldn't really call them bands, but uh, like De La Soul, they, their first album had like skits every couple of tracks on their first right. album. Right. And, uh, and that was just something that they always did. And when I first started uh, emulating rap albums, I was... Um, copying Eminem's uh, skits where he has a meeting he has has a meeting with his manager and I just decided to riff off that and that one riff has like spawned hours and hours of content and a cartoon and and (laughs) merchandising and all kinds of stuff so yeah but I mean I I think it's a valid part of the art form right and I think I think that it's on most albums uh Unless unless it's a unless it's a rapper who's taking himself super seriously, I love to see skits on rap albums because it, it lets you know right away that this rapper uh, is a goof and right. likes to likes to have fun and and isn't isn't taking it all too seriously. Which you can do, you have that option. But I am I always lean towards rappers that are uh, trying to be funny and entertaining. 
Right. You know, that actually, that makes me think, I don't think Run the Jewels has skits on any of their albums. And yet they're both serious. And like, well, if you talk to LP or Big, uh, Killer Mike, they they seem like fun loving guys. Yeah, I think they might take their, their albums and their lyrics uh, seriously. Uh, there might be some clever wordplay in there, but they seem to be more on the serious tip. Right. Uh, which is totally which is totally fine that's everyone's prerogative yeah i mean i you know as someone who like leans definitely a little a little more explicitly into comedy with your rap what do you like do you have a sort of notion about how most skits and rap albums work out or like I, um I, you know i always try to start it off um kind of funny and lighthearted and then by the end of each album it gets more dark and serious and more true to who I really am as if like the facade the rapper facade fades away as the album continues right so like would it be fair to say that you started sort of like Aquafina maybe and then get to Logic Um, say that one more time. Sorry. Uh, that like a tonal, to, there's like a tonal shift between like Aquafina to maybe Logic. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I always am trying to be very poppy and catchy in the beginning of the album. Right. And by the end, I don't really care. And it is more autobiographical. And right. from what I've heard of Logic's work, uh, it seems to be more autobiographical and and yeah. serious and, and, and maybe a little emo maybe a little depressing yeah true to yeah. life More, i think you're maybe being true, maybe true to life yeah i think that's being diplomatic about it i think he's very exclusively autobiographical and it's all about how he's you know overcome all the things he's but yeah um, i mean that's for, that's most most rappers are telling their own stories yeah and yeah. um but so sometimes they just Kind of our autobiographical throughout the whole thing i i like the idea of it just kind of it my album's becoming revealing as they continue absolutely i think that's great that there's so many layers to it especially i mean uh, you know i think there's a lot of sort of what you wear on your sleeve is like i'm like a very nerdy rapper but that's only like just very on the surface of understanding what you're about and what you do right yeah i think the nerdiness is something where it's like I never really thought about it in the beginning. And then once I saw who my fans were, I was like, I have to throw them a couple of bones every album. Right. And my, my next album is like all Marvel songs. Right. So it's just, I'm throwing them a lot of bones because they're, they're cool. starving. Because right. uh, it's been, the pandemic slowed me down a little bit. Um, sure. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, I just, you know, in the first album, it was like, there was a bunch of different weird kind of MC Chris songs. And then there was a song about Boba Fett. Right. Uh, and that was like the nerdy song. So I always try to put at least one nerdy song on there. And I think in the past like decade or so, there's, uh, although the, the last album not included, I think things have gotten like overly thematic and like mainly pertaining to like, let's say the Batman universe or right. the, um, you know, the Batman universe or the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I ask which universe, or, cinematic and, and, and universe before that, I before that I did like a Ghostbusters album. Wow! Uh, which cinematic universe? Yeah, oh, they, I, I want to ask for those that are uninitiated with MC Chris. I know I asked like how to define yourself, but how would you sort of explain to somebody like who has no idea who you are? 
I always just say, I, when I say I'm a rapper, then they always like look at me like, wow, you don't look or act like a rapper, which right. is, you know, kind of weird and racist. And, uh, and then <laughs> yeah. I say, I, I, uh, I rap about Star Wars. And then they kind of like go, oh, okay, that makes that you make a little bit more sense now. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, like there's not, I'm the guy who's always done that. And the other rappers have done that, of course. But I was like uh, one of the first. And uh, where it kind of became my signature thing. And I've always put a couple of Star Wars songs uh, on albums throughout my career. Um, so I, but, but I, so, you know, like I rap about Star Wars, but I also rap about things like pizza and Harry Potter. Well, that makes me wonder, do you, hey, do you have very defined opinions about the Star Wars series? And I guess like the, you know, the new sequels, the fact that like when Disney bought Star Wars, they like got rid of a bunch of um, the Star Wars, I guess, extended universe or canon. Uh, yeah, well, that made sense to me. Because uh, they, you know, Disney is a cash oriented <laughs> company, like most right. companies that want to survive. So they, don't, they, they can't really, if they can't make money off, it doesn't make sense to them. So, of course, they want to say that doesn't count. But now everything starting from here counts. Mm-hmm. It makes sense as a business for them just trying to, you know, get as much bang for their buck as they can with this property. Right. Um, you know, I think calling things legends and starting a new canon thing, canon actually, them starting a new canon, that actually makes me feel comfortable because there's like so many things that are don't course that are um, canceling out each other or don't correspond with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so there's some things that um, just like doesn't match up. So the universe is very kind of messy. And right. so I think saying canon starts here from now on, it can kind of let you know that like okay we're kind of cleaning up things a little bit and now everything that comes back to this we we have in mind what this what the purpose of all this is uh so anyway um i think that starting over the canon is appropriate and and it's actually for someone who's kind of ocd like me i don't mind it and then they can also have legends and i think legends is something that they're playing with a little bit more often like in visions or in like i think they had a bunch Christmas stories that came out last year and they said like these aren't actually part of canon this is like part of stories that get told in the Star Wars universe and so I like that idea where it's it's that gives some room to mess around but it also can can still be contained within the canon Um, because with with MCU and with Star Wars all I ever care about is like what's the news like what what is new what is canon how does right. this affect the universe? I feel like that's the one story being told instead of all these like little uh, facets or microcosms of the story. Right. Um, how does, so, how does that affect your work? Um, <clears throat> I try to roll with the punches, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like on my last album, I had a I had a song about Sidon Athano and uh, who is in Force Awakens. Um, mm-hmm. I have my my that's that my most popular song is mm-hmm. obviously not canon. When I sit down to write a when I sit right. down to write a song about uh, let's say Batman or the Riddler or anything like I've done in the past, what I do is I do extensive research on everything and I read everything that I possibly can, and then I make my own new version right. of the story because because I, I feel like that's the job as uh, as folktale tellers mm-hmm. or people that are per- perpetuating uh, a folktale 
that it's your job to leave your imprint on it or to leave your fingerprints all over it. And so I will combine stories and just say, this is like, you know, this is my way of telling the story. Sometimes it's just, I'm only reading from one source. And so it's just mm. be the retelling of the one source in a hip hop style. Right. Um, but for like Riddler and Batman, stuff like that, I, I would combine uh, multiple stories into one song. So how about, I? all right, how about I just race through these news stories um i'll just get a little bit of news and uh we'll get back to you sound good mm -hmm. cool do you even care about the emmys i i imagine maybe not uh, I, I look at them. I look, I, I've always been into award shows since I was like a little kid, uh, but less so now as that I'm an adult. But when I was little, I was really into the Oscars and Entertainment Tonight, and I'd watch all the, the MTV Music Awards. It's like It was all like a big deal to me. I'm a lot less so now, but right. I, still, I still like check it out, see who won, see if any of my old friends got nominated for something. Right. I feel, would you ever do like uh, a song on like, I don't know, what got snubbed? Um, no, that's a little bit too uh, topical. I always try to like talk about my life and what I'm into. And, and right. sometimes they, sometimes it intersects with like what pop culture is into like Moon Knight or, or right. uh, The Vision and Scarlet Witch or Overfat right. or something like that. Sometimes they intersect, but for the most part, I just try to, stick to my own world because if i do something that's too topical then it'll be old news really fast and very disposable right i don't know if book of boba fett was even in the running for this year because I, I you got four it. nominations so I oh do you got four? Oh, cool yeah um well that's not a comedy a comedy series so i did not clock that but for this year's primetime Emmys, uh, they just released the nominations uh, yesterday. For comedy series, it's Abbott Elementary, Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Hacks, Marvelous Miss Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and What We Do in the Shadows. For limited series, uh, they're the White Lotus got nominated in addition to Dubstick the Dropout and Inventing Anna, Pam and Tommy. Lead actor in a comedy series, Donald Glover for Atlanta, Bill Hader for Barry, Nicholas Holt, The Great, Steve Martin, and Martin Short for Only Murders in the Building, and Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. Lead actress in a comedy series, Rachel Brosnahan for The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Quinter Brunson, Abbott Elementary, Kaylee Cuoco, The Flight Attendant, uh, Elle Fanning, The Great, Variety Talk series, you know, a lot of the your usual suspects, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Last week tonight with John Oliver, late night with Seth Meyers, the late show with Stephen Colbert. Um, wow, it's weird seeing Conan not there because he doesn't have a show anymore. Uh, supporting actress in a comedy series, Alex Borstein, the mom of Miss Maisel, Hannah Einbinder for Hacks, Janelle James Abbott, Elementary, Kate McKinnon at SNL, Sarah Nels at Ted Lasso, Cheryl Lee Ralph for Abbott Elementary, Juno Temple for Ted Lasso, Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso. Supporting actor in comedy series, Anthony Kerrigan for Barry, Brett Goldstein. Wow. 
so many Ted Lasso. Brett Goldstein, uh, Tohib Jimo, and Nick Muhammad, uh, all for Ted Lasso. Tony Shalhoub and the Marvelous Miss Nasal. Tyler James Williams for Abbott Elementary. Henry Winkler for Barry. Bowen Yang for SNL. Guest actress in the comic series, Jane Adam for Hacks. Harriet Sanson uh, Harris for Hacks. Jane Lynch for Only Murders in the Building. Laurie Metcalf and Caitlin Olsen for Hacks. Harriet Walter for Ted Lasso. Guest actor in a comedy series, Gerard Carmichael on SNL, Bill Hader for Curb Your Enthusiasm, James Lance or Ted Lasso, Nathan Lane, Only Murders in the Building, uh, Christopher McDonald for Hacksand, Richardson for Ted Lasso, and I think, let's see, there's only a few more categories I want to read. A Black Lady Sketch Show, a variety of sketch series, a Black Lady Sketch Show, SNL, um, and those are the only two nominated. Uh, Variety special pre-recorded includes Dave Chappelle uh, amidst Adele, One Night Only, Harry Potter 20th Anniversary, uh, Norm Macdonald, Nothing Special, uh, One Last Time, and Eating with Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Um, wow. Norm's specials on Zoom and still got nominated. <laughs> Uh, hosted nonfiction series or special. My ne- next guest needs no introduction with Letterman. The problem with John Stewart, Ken Stanley Tucci, Searching for Italy, Vice, uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Uh, oh, and the <laughs> hosting a reality show. I just got to shout out Nicole Byer for Nailed It. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff that isn't comedy. Uh, oh, an animated program. Uh, Bob's Burgers, Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, What If? Uh, did you like What If, Chris? Um, Hello? I thought it was great. Oh, hey, cool. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I, I said I loved it and I thought it was great. Yeah. Do you, I want, I mean, you're, you're really thick into this. Is it, it, even though it's technically supposed to not be connected to the other mcu stories because the multiverse because the multiverse is such a big part of what they're doing now it is right yeah it's totally connected to everything it's just one of the many universes and i think that if you saw the the latest doctor strange you got like a monster that was featured in the show was in the movie and so i don't think that's a coincidence and right um I think we'll see more stuff in the future, like in how it's interconnected. I think everything within Marvel is connected. So even a cartoon can can be a universe within the MCU. Right. So I guess like uh, what whatever, like the Avengers and the Eternals have to like team up to go against what Kang and uh, uh, the the super powerful um, Ultron, the multiverse Ultron. Right. Yeah. I was hoping um, for more of that in Doctor Strange, but... Uh, yeah, I was nice. too, considering it's called Multiverse of Madness and like, you know... Yeah, it really wasn't a, it really wasn't a multiverse. It was kind of, you got to visit one other universe and it, where people were kind of dressed right. weird. And that was, that was the extent of it, which is a little bit of a disappointment. But I mean, like when they're flying, they flew through like 10 universes really quick or multiverses yeah. really quick. And, uh, but yeah, you didn't really get a sense of, of it being exactly what they hyped, but right. c'est la vie, c'est la vie. C'est la vie. I mean, I think that's, you know, I've had this thought, Marvel is sort of worked themselves into this um, corner a little bit and that like, 
every single MCU release has to be a perfectly fit puzzle piece for like each phase. And so like sometimes certain installments in like uh, a phase of the MCU might have to like kind of suffer a little bit story-wise because they have to pack so much in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's weird. It's, you know, it hasn't been a perfect experience. There's been like the shows on Netflix. There's been the Shield show. Mm-hmm. There's things that, that are, that exist, but don't, haven't really crossed over. Although Matt Murdock was in the Spider-Man movie. So that's kind of a beginning of a crossover and he's supposed to be in the new Echo show coming up. Right. So I think things are, things, maybe they're doing a little bit of um, retconning or just kind of cleaning things up. So they do match up a little bit better, but Right. You know, there's there's some weird stuff happening, like the bad guy from um, Luke Cage is going to be Blade, and and you know, there's stuff that's like, you know, it's not the best, but at the same time, it's like you don't care. Mm-hmm. You just take whatever. It's like we're all starving, right? And we just we're we're like, um, you know, can I have some more, please, sir? And we're just like, <laughs> we don't care what we're what we're getting, and it's, right. we're we're all we're very much orphans, just begging for more gruel, right? And what's sad about the orphans begging for more gruel is that, you know, there's an argument over gruel distributors uh, and like, you know, part of that retconning has to do with like the rights that Sony owns versus what Marvel Studios owns. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's I think there's one. I think obviously Disney has uh, a higher level of quality and, and the Sony Sony movies are getting a reputation Mm-hmm. uh for not being as good um but you know i think it's kind of like sony's like the bad pizza and and mcu is like the really good pizza but it's all pizza and it's all, it's all you know you don't really you don't really care right if it's a bad if it's a bad movie as long as it has that scene in the credits that's that makes you think that oh something cool might happen or oh my gosh that's connected or on that meme of that guy realizing something Right. And, um, you know, I think it's they've created a a recipe that's very that just works on us as as fanboys, where even if we're disappointed, we're just like, what's next? And that's something that we kind of make fun of in my skits on my records. Right. Um, But, you know, I think that uh, hopefully things improve and things get better. I I don't know. It's weird. It, it It makes me a little sad that it can't all just be one thing. You know, um, especially like all these Spider-Man characters getting their own movies and and right. Spider-Man having getting kind of tossed between two major corporations. Right. I feel bad for the I feel bad for the actor who's who's got to like probably right. he'll probably in the future have to deal with quality, the quality of his movies going up and down and up and down based upon which corporation he's working with. And, um, right. you know, it makes for an uneven experience but you know we have no idea how things can go how things are going to go maybe sony will improve their game and disney will start right. to make some errors we'll just kind of have to wait and see yeah we're gonna have to wait and see and i i i do feel for i, I wouldn't be surprised if tom holland goes the route of daniel craig who like was basically kicking and screaming to be let out of james bond at the end mm-hmm. Because it's like, yeah, just... it's weird. I mean, they're gonna, he's gonna have more money than he knows what to do with. Um, but I don't know how happy any of these Harry Potter actors are that got to experience this franchise and then are now out of it and can't really do anything else. 
Right. And um, that's, you have to work so hard to be seen as anything else. Yeah. So, I mean, although I think Uncharted did well, um, but, um, you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for him. He's obviously an extremely talented guy and he's perfect for Spider-Man and everybody kind of is in agreement that they love him as Spider-Man. Right. And, but he's going to have to do that for a long time and that'll, pro- yeah. that'll probably be very trying at some point, but you know, right. Uh, hopefully, hopefully things shift where mm-hmm. these aren't the only movies being made. And we we get more into other universes and other other things because it can feel like it's the only Mm -hmm. uh, show in town, which is a little, you know, for so I grew up loving movies. I went to film school and loved going to see movies in New York. And I loved how different everything was in the 90s. And then Mm -hmm. um, I think Spider-Man and Lord of the Rings kind of kind of changed the world. And made it just kind of about big, humongous properties and how many movies can we get out of this thing? And um, just a little tough. That's why I'm always so thankful that there's horror because horror has always got new ideas, new things going on, and mm-hmm. and new universes being made every year, basically. Right. Is there? Um, have you put like a horror album out? Like I, I know you're. I did. Right. I I made a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street album. Oh, and, cool. Um, yeah and so like i heavily researched uh that and wrote several songs uh pertaining to that universe and did skits that kind of made fun of that universe right and um i'd like to do more i'd like to do more modern uh monsters i'd like to do like a universal monster ep right um there's there's lots of stuff i want to do but but horror movies have always kind of been part of my at the very least merch language so there's like um, different MC Chris like monster shirt that we've done for like Frankenstein and Wolfman and Very cool. and um, yeah no uh, I'd love to do more of that and, and explore that in in my songwriting yeah uh, w- would you ever do a self-referential multiverse album because of every album being I don't know not every album but it seems like a lot of your albums have their own commentary on a pop culture or cultural universe can you ask that again uh I, yeah i was a little wordy would you do like a multiverse album that just like referenced all the other universes of all the other albums um of my albums yeah uh, they're all it's all interlinked and i don't right. i don't really do songs about the skits um sure. but they're thematically linked um but yeah no uh on the i'm working on an album right now called king in black which is a marvel album and um the skits have been recorded there's lots of really amazing people on it like andy milanakis and pat Oswalt, and that's great you know and this got i have this huge cast and everyone's recorded their parts and um and that ties up a lot of the loose ends from past skits and past albums and it's kind of uh leading us towards a uh kind of a fantasy middle earth um theme which is where it's kind of going right now and i you know i have albums plotted out like maybe six to ten albums uh, plotted out out, uh, down the road and it's just i'm always that way of thinking i'm okay we'll cut half these in three albums and i have to actually make two albums maybe even three albums before i get to my middle earth album but i'm building up towards that right um but yeah, but right now we've, we've been entrenched in Marvel stuff for like almost five years. Right. Um, and and the because the COVID slowed it down and other things, um, fans have been just waiting for this Marvel album forever. So, But the skits will 
resolve a lot of things and then also start some new things. Right. Uh, this might be a broad question, but like, what do you, where's like the humor derived for you for like, you know, like making a Marvel album or a Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street album? Like, what do you find funny about these universes? Well, you, uh, you know, that. usually what I do is that I, I don't uh, go into it with any idea, but as I research things, I relate to them. Mm-hmm. And I find a way to tell my own story through telling, retelling these uh, famous stories. Right. And, um, and the humor just comes out of, we got to just come up with something off the cuff, uh, right. you know, as, you know, just to kind of keep things silly. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of force the humor out of whatever we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's never, I never think like, oh, this would be funny. If anything, like the Freddy uh, Krueger album came from me having nightmares mm-hmm. and me wanting to talk about uh, nightmares and being afraid, maybe uh, dealing with depression and going on medication, right. uh, but also um, talking about things like me daydreaming in high school. And I was going to be a double album where half of it would be daydreaming and half of it would be like dreams you have at night. But I, I just... Right. Uh, kind of jammed it all together it's still a really huge album um that i'm very proud of but uh but yeah some of these things start from a very serious and occasionally dark place and then like for instance i wrote a whole album about haunted mansions Mm -hmm. and ghosts and that was me kind of dealing with the passing of my father but it but the the album is really hilarious and and a lot of ghostbuster songs and it's 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 a really fun thing yeah. But it starts from a dark place usually where I'm like, I have, I'm wrestling with some sort of concept or idea. Right. Well, and I think genuine, a genuine expression of yourself is always like, I think what's best for comedy. Like, you know, sometimes that is, you know, speaking truth, like your personal experience. And sometimes it's, you know, I think in your case, it's actually both being silly because I feel like that's a big part of yourself, but also like sourcing a lot of um, what's happened to you, you know? Um, But as long as it's like, rather than trying to sort of intellectually shoehorn an idea of like, oh, well, you know, wouldn't it be funny if um, into something? No, I'm not that kind of writer. I'm more like, let's, let's tackle this topic Right. Which is usually pretty dark in nature, and but let's find the humor in it. Right. Because that's kind of like how I deal with existence. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think, you know, giving it a backdrop of all the this sort of um, intersecting nerd pop culture um, universes is, is that contrast in and of itself is fun and funny and still so, like and makes it like it gives a connective tissue where I think, I mean, obviously a lot of people have gotten in touch with it. Yeah. I think that um, one of the things I learned at UCB is just commitment is, is funny in itself. And so I, um, you know, I have, I will overcommit to an idea or um, I will overcommit to like having my skit universe be something that spans 18 albums or right. a small reference to children's albums, which is just a joke and a side. 
uh, on one album becomes eventually, you know, I'm two albums in, I'm going to do a third one of those. And I have all this merch and there's all these kids who their lives have been affected by these children's albums I've made, you know, and it all comes from like me committing to a joke. Um, I just, I just always think it's like, for me, I, I can tell a joke that takes like 10 years to tell. Yet. <laughs> and, and, and I enjoy that long Sure. ride and even if there's very few people there at the end when i deliver the punchline it's very satisfying for me i think there are lots of people that are paying attention to all the little details i'm putting into everything oh, that i course. do and, and pick up on that joke that has been like we reference scum licking okay. in one decade and then like 15 years later we actually make that song and everyone's really happy about it um right. and so that's i i like that long build and i think it, it is a um, it's, I'm still making fun of Lost, I feel like, or J.J. Right. Abrams, where it's just like, it's about a build-up towards something that lasts an unbearable amount of time, and then sometimes there's not even an answer at the end of the pro of the experience, where you're like, and it's a mystery, so that's it, good night, everybody, and I kind of, right. I'm, because I think I've, when I first started making albums, it was during that Lost J.J. era of television, and I think that is still influencing my work and, and his his Star Wars films and even the Marvel Universe. Uh, you know, it's all kind of influencing me in the way that it, sometimes it can be a letdown. And I'll be like, I love that. I want to play with that for like decades. Absolutely. That that's I love that man. That makes me think of like the way Norm Macdonald would tell jokes sometimes. Where honestly, the punchline is kind of dumb, but it's not even about that. It's about this like like overly involved overly detailed like weird road that you take to get to essentially yeah he was, he was very punk rock he liked to like test the audience and maybe yeah. even punish them a little bit and for his own enjoyment and and uh or go to a roast and be sincere like he always liked uh doing things that were against the grain and which is why i always thought of him as a very just kind of a punk rock performer and that he just didn't want to play by the rules of the game and i'm sure at the end of your life you're like what are rules and why do i care about these things uh but yeah no he seemed like he was more about making a person feel unsettled yeah and that was funny to him and if you enjoyed seeing him be happy that that was where the comedy came from right also, the the a reference of like that is fifteen years old in your own sort of canon makes me think of John Cage, the famous experimental composer. Uh-huh. He he set up a thing where it like something would play or there would be like a sheet music where you're supposed to play one note in in increasing amounts of time to the point where it's like okay, it's like ten years between each note played. Uh, and like yeah no i mean uh, i like i like uh conceptual humor like that i think it's one of the reasons why i gelled so well with adult swim is because i thought of space ghost as being this kind of um a experimental testing ground for what exactly is comedy and can a joke be just like nothing happening for a long time and Right. And there was one episode where Space Ghost just watches ants crawl across the screen from for like you know maybe the whole episode or something. <laughs> and um, 
I always liked that stuff. I always loved, yeah. like, but then, you know, then I tried to make that joke in my cartoon where it's just two people going back and forth saying, don't get me started. Right. And, and the first, the initial reaction was, so oh, this is a family guy bit right. that happened. And I'm not well-versed in family guy, but I was mm-hmm. more so emulating the abstract humor or the absurdist humor of space ghosts. Sure. Uh, and, um, but yeah, but you know, you, sometimes it takes so long for me to tell a joke, a whole no, different generation will hear the punchline and a different generation will hear the setup. So it's hard to yeah. get them to be exactly where you want them to be. But, you know, that's, that's art. Yeah, I, I mean, and that, that comes from a different set of, I think, generational expectation. I feel like, yeah, I, conceptually, you're trying to like find comedy in negative space, which I do love. <laughs> just like this sort of broad empty canvas metaphorically and then just like putting something stupid on it um and it just like like takes up just a little bit of it or you know whatever it is uh and you know and I feel like that has to come from a certain sort of exposure to comedy and understanding of comedy that I mean you know when you look at old clips of Andy Kaufman uh he's it's the intent is to prank the audience for somebody else to watch and that's what's funny yeah. the audience at the time doesn't know what's going on yeah yeah but now well, we've i was always thrilled i was always thrilled by his appearances and the when the on the old snl reruns oh, yeah. with the um colored photographs yeah. and uh i didn't really know taxi too well but i yeah. i knew like him singing uh the mighty mouse theme song yeah and i still i still sing that to my son whenever he's like i need you and i always <laughs> sing i always sing i always sing that as i come to him That's so uh, sweet. but uh yeah now i um I, he's another punk rock comedian that you know you just love like rich hedberg or right. um there's so many others i can think of that i can't think of right now but uh I just, I like the people that were challenging and trying to challenge the audience, to try to do something different. It's also really amazing when, to see somebody who's like a professional who, who like really knows how to like walk on stage, tell some jokes that, that, that the dorkiest people or the people that you would think of as not very cool that are just at a comedy club that can get right. into. Like if you're just extremely accessible and you're extremely professional and you know exactly how to get in there and right. get everyone to laugh really fast, that's really amazing too. Right, but I uh, I've also always been drawn to those people that uh, were testing the audience and, and yeah. making them check check themselves in a way. Right, I'm always astounded by the people who could do both, and they. Yeah, they I don't know. I can't think of any. Uh, Roy Scoble but, uh, is somebody that's like that. I don't know his work. I'm sorry. It's okay. Roy, uh, there's, Roy, there's, there's an there's an amazing amount of stuff I don't know. <laughs> and there's an amazing amount of stuff that you do know. Oh my god. I, I dip my toe into trying to see how deep the rabbit hole goes with like Star Wars, get like the Star Wars universe, and it's yeah. astounding. Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, like um, like but what? I don't know, but I but I don't know. You know, I know a lot about Star Wars, but I don't know as much as as the next guy at a con who you know. <laughs> Is in, in that has read all the books. I haven't yeah. read all the books. I didn't read all the books. I read all the old books. Uh, mm. You know, so I don't know everything, but I do know right. enough. A lot. A lot of times, a lot of the, I seem really more informed than I am because I do an intense amount of research for like everything I write. When right. I wrote the Ghostbusters album, I like read the novelization and I, right. I you know read comic books and played the game and and really kind of cover my bases. And for the Middle Earth album coming up, I've been reading 
fantasy novels for like the past couple of years. Right. Just trying to get in the right mindset for that. Sure. And I, but I'm just like, but it's funny because it's like I'm trying to finish a Marvel album, but I'm already, I'm already in Middle Earth in my mind, and now I'm just like kind of finishing up this Marvel stuff. Whereas my research for that was done like years ago. Like I'll sure. find like research that's like five years old for this album that I'm making now. And did, is does any of that bleed over, or is that like a thing that you're like confused confused by sometimes? Hold on one second. Do you want to move your car or are you good? No. Uh, go ahead. Just ask me one more time. So just uh, yeah. Does, uh, since you're like working at, on two projects at the same time, researching one and then finishing up another, is, that, is there any bleed over from either end? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like there'll be... Um, there are Middle Earth references on my Marvel album. I mean, it's called The King in Black, so that there's a king in the title of the album. Right. And um, I'll also have, like, references to old albums in the stuff that I'm working on now. So there'll be, like, Batman references because I finished right. Batman. Right. Uh, and so it definitely, there's so much bleed. Right. Um, and, there's, and then I also feel like it's part of my... Uh, imprint to like put some star wars into everything that i write as well yeah so so there's there's lots of um if you pay attention to the lyrics then you'll and read the lyrics then you'll see that there are right. tons of motifs and reoccurring elements i love it man especially you know today is embrace your geekness day huh. Interesting. i don't know i don't know who made I, don't, I don't know how i don't know how i would live my life any differently on that day but uh right <laughs> yeah i mean today yeah i i'm always we, i mean we just we just went to a bookstore and bought a bunch of golden books star wars uh kids books and okay. and um yeah these days i'm embracing my geeky father right. uh, side yeah and you're I doing don't, that. i don't get i don't get anything anymore oh yeah you're, it's now, all for your kids. It's all for my kid. But back in the day, I would go to a store, spend five hundred bucks, and all this stuff. And uh -huh. and but uh, thankfully, I did spend so much money in the past because I just I just spent the last past couple of years selling it all. That's how <laughs> I supported myself during COVID. Oh wow! And, yeah. Not, and now that... I have nothing. <laughs> but that, but that's you because I but I was I was very cluttered. My life was very right. like too much stuff everywhere. So right. it's nice to have a little bit more room in my uh, my living space. Right. Was it, did you have so much stuff it was actually like a problem to walk around? Uh, I'm not that bad, but uh, I did have to move to a smaller apartment recently during COVID. And uh, I have like copious amounts of books. Uh, I have like an entire library that's just all in cardboard boxes. And, wow. and uh, but it's cool because the tour went well enough that I can buy some bookcases. So when I get home, I can take out take them out of the boxes and put them back up that's awesome man speaking of which you are on tour uh you're coming to la august 13th i believe i am i am it'll be the last show of the last tour so oh, how's, how's maybe the, my last public appearance ever damn I don't, I don't i don't know if that's true that's probably not true actually i think i do dragon con in atlanta like two weeks later right <laughs> uh, and, and i'm starting to get requests for uh shows in the fall right um so we'll see what happens though i mean i i like to go back out but i i'm a single dad with a seven-year-old uh doing a 50-day tour and right. it's not easy 
I, I yeah, especially because like how how big is uh your team? You got a big tour bus with you know a bunch of roadies or? No, I have a Dodge Explorer. Uh-huh. Uh And my kids in the back, and I'm in the front. Wow. And the re- and the rest of it is merch. And I yeah. sell my own merch. I do my own driving, and I do the show every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I guess the answer to how you do that is you, should, you do it, but oof, that's a lot. Yeah, you know, uh, you take it one day at a time is, is, the, is the biggest thing. Uh, right. And you can't really think of the immensity of it. Sometimes in the beginning, you're like, oh, especially if it's hard in the beginning, you're like, oh gosh, there's so much more of this to come. But right. I think my, both my son and I have become, gotten accustomed to our routine. And uh, now we're, now we're doing great, and I think if anything, it's going to be sad for when this stops. Although I think we're both ready to go back home, and and uh, you know we're we're ready to like chill because we've worked really hard. But my son's got to see the, the country, and cool. and we've gotten to do so many cool like family entertainment things all over the country, and so we've had a much more interesting summer than I think most kids got to have. Uh, I I imagine so. I imagine. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I think most kids probably did camp and, right. and, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of fun with about, you know, that comes with camp as well, but there's, you can't really, I, when I was a kid, I just traveled to Indiana and Illinois to see my grandparents. And I was fascinated by those weekend trips. So yeah. Tony got something, something like that times like 50. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, uh, I actually have, I actually have to load in. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I mean, I hope to have my album King in Black uh, out by the end of the year, by holiday time. Um, I don't know. It doesn't look like there'll be hard copy because um, the there's so many uh, pressing, uh, vinyl pressing and, and hard copy pressing like delays because of because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I hope to have the digital version out by the end of the year it would be great. I'd be really happy with that. Right. Um, but other than that, uh, no, there's nothing else to plug. Just you can go to mcchris.com to check out all my tour dates. There's tour dates for the rest of July, and our, our we tour all the way to August 6th, and then we have that last show on the 13th. Um, and so there's still lots of dates for people to come see us uh, this summer, and I would love to, to see everybody come out. These shows are really emotional, and people are coming up to me crying at the end of the night, telling me that I like raised them or I helped them meet their their partner or they wouldn't have kids if it weren't for me or they wouldn't be alive because of me and it's a really uh kind of it's a weird I did not I called it the last tour just because I'm like I don't know how I'm going to do this you know keep touring and have a kid but uh it's it's wrought all this emotion from my fan base and it's I I know what I mean to them but then to have them all come up and tell it to me is like blowing my mind a little bit it really makes me feel like i accomplished something yeah um, that's and makes, makes, makes me feel pretty good about myself <laughs> yeah you so, should you should yeah. somebody comes yeah. in and tells you tells you i don't that. normally i don't normally so it's right, nice right, right, right. i've been cooped up for a long time and going through a very difficult time so it's yeah. been a, it's been a nice uh respite respite i don't know how to, Re- know how to it's re- respite yeah it's respite is it respite okay. yeah i've been saying respite for years and people just look at me like well you know just like maybe it's a slant rhyme thing you know you just uh mispronounce the word a little bit but thank you Uh, so much for having me i really appreciate it no problem um, 
No problem. And I hope you can edit something together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can edit some together. August 13th at the Lodge Room with Jonah Ray, right? That's right. Very cool. Very, very cool. Tickets are still available. Uh, I'm Jake Ray. I run the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Twitter at MFJ Kroger, on Instagram at Not the Supermarket. Uh, so many great causes to support at this time. Please support those. But if you have money or generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau. Anything to say as we sign off here? No, uh, just that um, I hope everybody out there who's listening, I hope you're doing well and I hope things improve for you. It's a very weird time, so give yourself time to uh, to move on to whatever comes next because, you know, a lot of people have blossomed or bloomed or whatever you want to say during during the pandemic. They've lost weight. They've gotten a whole new career, and, and but that didn't happen for everybody. And by chance, you're struggling and you don't know quite what's going on or what the future holds just give it time because um this has been a real this has been like an just an extraordinary unprecedented experience that we've all been through and it's going to take a second for us to kind of get readjusted to whatever comes next so i wish everybody the best of luck yes absolutely a thousand percent concur and live comedy is very much happening that includes the rap of mc chris uh go check it out and as the great Brody stevens would say enjoy it Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.